Yeah, Will Mayfeld, he's, he's one of the best trigger men I've ever seen. Former Imperial sharpshooter. That's not saying much. I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. <laughs> Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, welcome to issue 64 of 3BZ Presents, the TomCast, PopCast, also so known simply as PopCast. I am your Festivus host, my name is Tom. Please follow the show on the social medias, at TomCast underscore PopCast on Twitter, and at the TomCast underscore PopCast on Instagram. You can email the show at TomCastPopCast at gmail.com, and if you are so inclined, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast, where you can sign up and become the newest member of Pophead Nation. Thank you so much to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard, and our newest Patreon, the Batman of Bay Park himself, Jeff Nail. Jeff is also the co-host of the fantastic music podcast, The Ringing Ear, so check that out when you guys get a chance. Uh, just posted earlier today is the newest exclusive episode for our tier one patreons and it is a commentary track for star wars the force awakens and uh we're here to help get you kind of pumped up for that new rise of skywalker film that's dropping uh in less than a week now it's almost here folks can you believe it all right finally please subscribe to this podcast on apple podcast or whatever platform you prefer and go ahead and leave us a review they help get the word out about this awesome show, and we rely on awesome listeners like you to help spread the word about us. So thanks so much for doing that. All right, we are here. We're here for episode again sixty-four, but this is we're back to our Mandalorian week by week, chapter by chapter breakdown, and today is the review for chapter six, The Prisoner, directed by Rick Famuia. I hope I say your name right. Sorry, I apologize. With a teleplay by Rick Femiua and Christopher Yost. Story by Christopher Yost. All right, so we're pretty much ready to get this breakdown going on. Um, but what we're going to do, we're going to do it a little different today, where I am going to be watching the episode as I break it down. Don't worry, you're not going to hear anything. We're not going to get sued for copyright infringements or anything like that. That way, I thought I was thought I'd try this because it's uh, it might. I'm hoping it'll be simpler than writing page after page of copious notes uh, because. This is like the third episode in a row where I don't have to do a lot of historical archiving necessarily for the episodes. There's not a lot of um, history that you guys need to have to understand and enjoy these new episodes. They've been uh, just just fine to watch without having to me without me having to provide a lot of uh, contextual information for what's going on. You know, uh, this episode, our our Mando friend joins up with a uh, with a with a crew of. Uh, mercenaries, pirates, whatever you know, they may be. We're not entirely clear on that. Um, but it's all the information you need is in that episode uh, because it's all new information to us. So I don't have any sort of history on where these characters came from necessarily. So I don't, you know, I don't have to provide that kind of contextual information. So we can just kind of enjoy this episode together and break it down. 
And before we dive into it, I will just say right off the bat that I like this episode a lot more, uh, especially a lot more than Chapter 5, which was the Gunslinger episode. Um, th- that episode has some things that I kind of uh, bumped up against that kind of brushed me in not the, quite the right direction. Uh, this episode gets us kind of back on more solid footing as far as you know the episodic nature of The Mandalorian. It does still feel a tad like we're on, on, on a bit of a side quest as opposed to the main task of, you know, protecting Baby Yoda. You know, we're still on the quest for credits to do whatever it is we're doing. But, like I said, this episode kind of gets us more on, on even footing where we should be. So we're going to watch this episode together, and I'm going to try and give you guys as much good information as I can as we break it down. What's also interesting about this episode, right before I started, is... It, it was fun to watch this episode and be like, oh, hey, I recognize that person. Oh, hey, I recognize that person. It happened quite a bit, and we'll talk about that as we play out the episode. Uh, the first the first one in particular, um, I think, is an actor that we're all familiar with, at least from, I mean, I guess it depends on, on what shows it is you're watching, but I'm assuming we watch we all watch a lot of the same shows, which is we see, we meet Ranzar Malk, also known as Ran on the show, played by Mark Boone Jr., you may recognize him from Batman Begins. You may recognize him from uh, Sons of Anarchy. He, he had a small part on Last Man on Earth. That, he's been around, Mark Boone Jr., very rec- recognizable individual. All right, and he's going to be the one we meet first. So let's kind of break that down. Let's see how we do here. This was an interesting... I was kind of miffed initially as the show played out because we see the Razor Crest landing in this hangar. And... I was like, well, where's this hangar? What are we doing here? Clearly we're in space, so are we docking on a ship? Are we docking in a spaceport? It was unclear. wasn't sure. We do get an answer to that eventually, though. All right, so the Mando's out and about. He's off the ship. He's getting a lot of strange looks from folks. Not a lot of people probably have seen a Mandalorian before. And here's our man, Rand, Mark Boone Jr. It's weird that he asks if that's you under that bucket, implying that maybe he's seen his face before. It's It's interesting. We find out apparently that the Mandalorian reached out to Rand because he's he's obviously looking for work, and Rand has obviously heard the rumors going around that uh, he's having some problems with the bounty hunters guild. And Rand states his personal policy of no questions asked, so he's letting the Mando know he's always welcome back here. And now here's where Rand proceeds to kind of run down what the job's going to be. Uh, one of one of Rand's guys, one of his associates, uh, fell on the wrong side of the law, and now he's in, got himself in in prison. And luckily, the Mandalorian. They're not even looking for the Mandalorian for his skill set. They want him mostly for the Razor Crest. The Razor Crest is an old enough ship that um, it somehow is not as easily detected as newer ships and of that nature. The Mandalorian is not pleased about this because obviously, as we all believe, Baby Yoda's on that ship. So the Mando is extremely reluctant, reluctant to offer up the ship for this mission. I think the Mando just thought he was going to be in hired help. He was going to get paid some nice credits. All right, now here we meet Mayfield. This is played by comedian Bill Burr. Bill Burr, great comedian, super offensive. I love him. It's interesting to see Bill Burr in a Star Wars film, to be honest. <laughs> Not necessarily a film, but you know what I mean, in the Star Wars universe, playing this character named Mayfield. A former Imperial, we used that sound clip at the beginning, indicating that he was not a stormtrooper, so that he actually can shoot. And they talk a little bit about their past. Ran shows a bit of his past history with Mayfield, how Mando used to run with him and his gang, which is very, very interesting uh, because it would seem to imply that, you know, he's running with criminals. So it would seem to imply that maybe uh, 
he wasn't living the this is the way sort of life just yet necessarily, maybe implying that there's a sort of a Mando's gone wild period um, that they're allowed to kind of go out in the galaxy and get up to whatever they want. And it, I don't know. It, it's interesting. It, does, it seems to be kind of counter to the code that we're starting to just kind of see from the Mandalorian, from our Mando in particular, but from the Mandalorians in general. Yeah, we find out that Mayfeld was a former Imperial sharpshooter. Mando's not impressed. I do enjoy his joke about the Razor Crest looking like a Canto Bite slot machine. This is pretty good. All right, now here we meet a new member of our of the of the crew that's being assembled here. This is this is Berg. He's a Devronian, and he's played by another familiar face as well. He's played by actor Clancy Brown, who's been in just about everything, uh, as well as being a a very big deal voice actor in things such as Star Wars: The Clone Wars. He played Lex Luthor on the Superman the animated series. You may remember him from way back when. Uh, Clancy Brown was the Kurgan in in the original Highlander film. Uh, Clancy Brown is a screen legend in my mind, in my eyes, and he will forever be the Kurgan, but I love seeing him getting acting parts. And him painted up with a red face and the Devronian horns is pretty rad. And he is the muscle of this crew that's being assembled. And now we meet our new droid friend over here, played by a com- uh, comedian, another comedian, Richard Adoade. His name is Q9-0, a.k.a. also known as Zero. And then we meet Zyan, who is a female blue-skinned Twi'lek. And uh, the blue-skinned blue Twi'leks are one of my favorites. This actress playing her is named uh, Natalia Tina, and apparently she was in the Harry Potter movies. I don't know the Harry Potter movies. Someone's going to have to do an episode where they teach me about Harry Potter at some point. That could be fun or it could be a complete disaster. Just depends on your point of view, I suppose. So it, it's... Uh, her portrayal of a Twi'lek is different. She spends a lot of time hissing, which I found interesting, not, but not necessarily like Twi'leks that we had seen before on screen. Maybe she's not necessarily blue skin. It might be more of a purpley skin than I thought it was initially. But she seems to be a knife person, very much into knives, throwing knives and making stabby gestures and things like that. She's very into, into showing her uh, little incisors as well. Not something that I'm familiar with seeing from a lot of Twi'leks. But they seem to indicate that there's a past history between the two. That uh, when Mando is running with this crew, that they were an item at some point. So perhaps she has seen Beneath the Helmet. We haven't quite established if a Mandalorian can take his helmet off for the lovemaking. But who knows? Maybe you keep it on. It's kinkier that way. I don't know. They are assembling the crew. Everything's ready to go. And the Mando kind of is getting, he's getting a bad feeling about this. Classic Star Wars. Berg is up in his grill. Calls him tiny. It's not cool. And I can just see the Mando kind of like being like, oh, why did we do this? Why are we here? And that's when the music hits. We get the intro. And he sees Zero up in the cockpit. Zero's farting around with everything. This isn't cool. And droids, droids have no respect for privacy. That's clear. Especially as he comes across a fragment of the hollow from episode two, from our from our boy from Carl Weathers, telling him telling the Mando to take the take the target to the client, and it gets zero rather suspicious, and that'll come up later on in the show. Again, all plot points are dealt with in this episode. Now we find out what the mission is, where they have to go, 
Mando's not stoked because he finds out that they are assaulting a New Republic prison ship. So he wasn't taken by a rival syndicate. He was arrested. And they kind of misled him on that. But the Mando's not looking for that kind of heat. He's not down with this job. The one perk that seems to be is that there's no one on board to kill. It's all droids. And since everyone knows the Mando hates droids, he'll be okay with that. Zero has a efficiency report on the ship, and it's not great. But now we learn why the ship is off the is important because the Razor Crest is off the old grid. New Republic doesn't have information on it. Imperials don't have information about it. Um, so it's the perfect ship to run the mission with, and he calls it a ghost. And they need a ship that can get close enough to the Republic ship and then jam its fre- frequencies. That way they can do the break-in mounted to the hull. The Mando doubts that it's possible. But then the Mando finds out that uh, Zero's going to be the one flying the ship. And he, again, Mando, not happy with this at all. And Zero brags about his quicker response time than organics. Again, it's funny. He's played by that comedian Richard uh, Aoade, who you'll know from the... Um, Oh, it's the IT, the IT show, the British IT show, the IT group, I think it was. And you can hear it in the voice of the droid for sure. So as the Mando boards a ship, I think by this point, we're all wondering, what's, wh- where's Baby Yoda? What's going on here? Did, was the Mandalorian, did he find some like safe spot to stash Baby Yoda uh, where he's not going to be discovered and, you know, exposed to these scoundrels that are now aboard the Razor Crest? You know, what What? What exactly is going on here? We're not sure, but at this point I was wondering, I was like, did he put the baby in that damn cabinet again? All right, so now we get all this posturing from the crew and how tough they are. The Mando's up in the cockpit. He's concerned about Zero and his flight skill and what he's doing up there and, you know, seems to get into his business. Again, you got to realize this is Mando's home now too. You know, the Razor Crest is, is more than just a ship to him. He's basically living on it, bouncing from place to place. Zero has a cool look. I'm not going to dispute that, actually, either, um, because he has, like, those big bulbous silvery eyes, which we've seen on a couple of Imperial droids in previous films. Uh, so I think that's a good look for some of these more, um, again, scoundrelly kind of droids, you know? It, it's a, it's kind of like this buggy appearance that I think is cool for some of those, these darker droids. All right, so now we're down and back in the hold of ship where the, where the rest of the, of the, of the gang is. And they're monkeying around, and they're touching stuff. And you have to wonder, why doesn't the Mando have a combination lock for his uh, for his arsenal over here? You know, Berg is just pushing buttons on the console, and all of a sudden, the armory opens up before him. And it it's just, come on, man, I get it. Like, you think you're the only one on your ship a lot, but still, you gotta lock that shit up, man. We have seen how many people have been on the ship, and they all seem to be able to open your drawers and your cabinets. Lock it up! And again, the Mando comes down, finds him doing this. Not not happy. Not happy to find Berg going through his stuff, through his weapons in particular. Remember, weapons are part of his religion. So he's basically messing with his religion. Mando shuts the cabinet on him. Berg not happy. Berg is definitely played as, played up as a brute. And now Berg's going to challenge the Mando, and they're going to get into a little bit of a fight, huh? How, how do you think the Mando's going to respond to this? He had a good line here so where, uh, where Mayfeld is saying that supposedly men learns are the greatest warriors in the galaxy. And then uh, Berga only asks the important question, then why are they all dead? Which, <laughs> it's a good line. But uh, it asks an important question. Zian refers to a job in Alzok 3. We don't know anything about that. And then the manager says that he did what he had to do. 
Jian seems to imply that he liked killing all those people, whatever the situation was. That seems to be the implication that he did bad things. Now they talk about the helmet. They're asking about the helmet. Does the helmet ever come off? Blah, 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 blah. Berg wants to take off the helmet. But not before Bill Burr makes a joke that he's a Gungan under the helmet, and we get to hear a really bad Gungan impression from Bill Burr. It's interesting how Burr is, uh, how Mayfeld is really pushing to see his under what's underneath the helmet. It's kind of odd. But he gives the nod to Berg, and Berg's going to try and get that helmet off of him. And the bounty, Mando punches him in the face a lot. But not before Berg hits the console and opens up another cabinet that should easily be locked. The one in which Baby Yoda resides. And now everyone is very interested in Baby Yoda. They seem to think it's a pet. Mando plays it off that way. No one, again, no one really has any reason to be familiar with, with Yoda and, and his species in the, in the greater Star Wars universe. And his species is, is reclusive, to say the least, since no one knows. But Mayfell seems to think he may have some leverage over the bounty hunter now, over, over, the Mando, over Mando now. And that would be Baby Yoda. And Baby Yoda, Mayfeld's holding Baby Yoda, pretends to drop him. Oh, but then guess what's going to happen next? Zero's going to be up there. They're dropping out of hyperspace, and he's going to do all those complicated maneuvering skills right now. And then Mayfeld, the jerk hole that he is, drops Baby Yoda on the ground. First of all, Mando. Come on, man. Locks. They can't be that expensive. Lock it up. But Mayfeld should have been killed for this right away. He just should have killed the crew right here. Get out of this job immediately. But he doesn't. Mando picks up Baby Yoda, checks on him, makes sure he's okay, throws him back in the cabinet, and closes it up again. Baby Yoda seems no worse for wear. He's a trooper, but they're here. Now they got to open the hatch. They got all their equipment. They have all this equipment. It's strange. They have all this equipment. They don't really seem to use much of it, though. All right, so the Mando's got to get him into the ship here. The gang exchanges some, some quick looks while the Mando is opening the hatch and trying to get, break the seal between the two ships so they can get into the prison transport. You definitely know something's up. You know, they're, they're, this crew seems to be relatively tight with each other, and now there's the Mandalorian here. I think we all know betrayal's coming at some point. So Mayfeld, Zian, Berg, and the Mando now enter the New Republic prison ship, leaving Zero alone on the Razorcrest with Baby Yoda. Zero is going to be mapping their progress, giving them directions, and jamming uh, transmissions from the New Republic transport. You got all kinds of cool droids on this New Republic prison ship. Um, some we've never seen before, some we're a little bit more familiar with, or at least are familiar to us. Not exactly what we've seen before. Again, more hissing from the from the Twi'lek. All right, they're disabling the onboard surveillance from the Razor Crest. Mando takes one last look at his cabinet, <laughs> wishing maybe he put some locks on it, and he jumps on down into the ship. And now they're on the clock. The idea is not to engage the security droids because that will alert the other droids to all their presences. And now it's time to find the associate they're looking to find. Running through white walls, very New Republic-y. We get a look at a couple aliens, a couple prisoners, I should say, of the transport. One of which is looks a lot like Rio Durante from Solo, at least one of his species, a fellow member of his species. Looks like there's a femur Imperial in here, too. But the man who doesn't like this, it's all making him a little uneasy. I see a guy who looks like sloth, like, like sloth from Goonies. More hissing from the Twi'lek. So Bill Burr's character Mayfeld has 
two weapons strapped to his chest and then droids behind him. Uh, I'm sorry, a weapon behind his back as well. We'll see that come into play in a little bit. This also goes along with the weapons he has on his holsters, so he is he is armed well. Now Berg is chasing after a mouse droid, which is amusing, but then he blasts the mouse droid, which no one seems to be appreciative of that move, as now security droids realize they're here and they begin to open fire on the gang. She is not going to do anything in this fight because she throws knives, so I'm not even sure why she's really on this mission. Now we see what Bill Burr's gun on his back does, and it's like controlled by an robotic arm on his back so that it can shoot from around corners while he's ducking and covering. Mando gets behind the droids, and uh, the gang is all too happy to let Mando take on all the droids by himself, all four of them. We get a combination of blaster action, we get some flamethrower action, fists on robot heads, ripping parts out of the droids. It's a, this is a cool, fun fight sequence, but Bill, again, Mayfeld holds the gang back from helping him and they want because he wants to see the Mando fight. You get the grappling hook, smashing droids into each other, ripping droids' heads off with it. And two more droids show up. Mando takes some fire, flamethrower action. Yeah, it's cool. This is a cool scene of a beatdown on some robots. And a blaster bolt to the head to kill the last one. And it does seem like they're rather impressed. But Mayfeld's not going to not going to betray that. Tells him to clean up his mess. What a dick. Berg bumps him. Fucking high school. This is These guys are all everybody I went to high school with. Bunch of dicks. Alright, so security's now aware because of the, the big fight. So they're trying to get to the control room. And they find out there's an organic in there. There is a human being, a, a person on board. This is a great cameo. Deep cuts for Star Wars fans. This is Matt Lanter, who is the voice of Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars The Clone Wars. And now he's got himself his real face in Star Wars. Good for Matt Lanter. He was a great Anakin Skywalker, in my opinion. Brought a lot to that character, as they really kind of fleshed out his descent to the dark side on the Clone Wars cartoon. So he's the only organic in, in the ship. He's trying to do his duty here. Protect the New Republic prison ship. But let's be honest, this is not a good situation for him. Everyone's got blasters pointed at him. Mando's not stoked. He's trying to talk this guy down into putting his weapon down. Now, the guard does have a device that if he presses that, it's going to alert the New Republic and an attack team will be there to blow everyone to kingdom come. So that seems to be his ace move right there. That, that tracking device, that, that alert device could be activated. So now that Mando's trying to talk to the guard... He, he's putting his weapon down, trying to de-escalate the situation. Because he doesn't want to kill the guy. Mando said he doesn't want any heat, and killing a Republic guard is going to bring heat. Tells him if he lets us go, lets them go, that he can go on living. And Bill Burr says that's not happening. So now Mando's drawn his gun on Mayfeld, Bill Burr, sorry. And there's guns pointed down at the Mandalorian as well. And a flamethrower pointed at Berg as he points a blaster back. But Zian decides to end the, end the entire conversation by killing him with a knife. Except he hit the button. And now they're really on the clock. As a new Republic attack team will be arriving shortly. Alright, they have 20 minutes before the Republic team gets there. Zian says they only need five. They know where they're going now. So they gotta run. Find out what's going on. Here's Berg tackling 
a giant droid and slam it into the ground. Fairly impressive show of strength. And he throws it into another droid. Pretty cool. It's a pretty cool sequence. Fun destruction. Berg seems impressed with them, pleased with himself. All right, so we're to the cell. We're opening the cell. They need Z's help from the ship. And who do we find inside? Well, no one we know, but our characters know them. Is another Twi'lek, a bluish purple skinned Twi'lek, who is blaming the Mando for the reason why he's incarcerated. He calls him the man who left him behind is now his savior. So, this, again, not the most consistent of plot points in here because uh, Rand made it sound like this is a fairly recent prison situation. Um, and obviously the Mando has not been living this life for, and with this crew for quite some time. So a little inconsistency on the plot on that point. But we know that this is, we find out that this is Zian's a brother. And then here's the betrayal as Berg throws the Mando into the prison cell and locks him in. Mando tries to shoot his way out, doesn't work out too well. All right, so they're leaving them behind. Zian tells the Mando, "This is what he gets. This he deserved. This, especially for I guess for helping get his brother arrested." Now Zero's back on the ship, and we find him. He's fiddling with that message from Grief Karga from Carl Weathers, and he seems to be getting a lot more information than he probably should have about our Mando. By the way, the prisoner's name is Quinn, and again, he is the 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 brother of Zian. Our Mando friend has to get himself out of this prison real quick. So he lures a droid over to him. He's got the grappling hook, right? So he grapples him around the head, pulls him in. The droid begins to shoot inside the cell. Mando grabs the gun and breaks his arm off, which is pretty impressive. And then he blasts the droid through the head with it. Now, he took part of the droid's arm with him, and he's going to be able to use part of that arm to open the cell now i didn't think that was something that you could do unless the droids were functional but apparently i am wrong as these keys that the the droids possess still seem to activate the devices the locking devices so that's something new all right so we got zero back on the razor crest he's kind of tracking the movements everything he knows the mando's out the mando has to get back to the ship and he starts mando heads back to the control room and he begins shutting corridors and locking bringing down blast doors and now the lights are going to go out. This is going to get cool. So, again, Mando starts locking down the base. He's closing down corridors, bringing down blast doors. And they're on this emergency lighting, this cool red emergency lighting. That brings a really, really neat effect to the to the episode. As the Mando uh, seeks to get a little payback for his betrayal. All right, so the groups are separated. Zero's still on the ship. He can't get a hold of anybody. They're being jammed now by the Mando. Which means Zero doesn't have much to do right now. So, he hears a noise. Baby Yoda, right there in the doorway. Zero begins to deduce that this is the target that the Mando had was sent to recover. Alright, so the two groups. We've got Jian and Berg together. We have Mayfeld and Quinn together. Now we're back on the ship. This is Zero putting together. We're kind of cutting back and forth a lot right here. But Zero deduces that the child has a bounty on his head, or is worth something at least, and decides he's going to go and get Baby Yoda now. Baby Yoda, when he turns back around after grabbing his weapon, Baby Yoda's gone. 
So now it's time to search the ship for Baby Yoda. Now, now the Mando, still in the control room, sees Berg and Zian separate from each other. It's time to get to business. But not before taking the New Republic alarm device off of the body of dead Matt Lanter. Mando looks at it. He thinks, yeah, this sucker's going to come in handy later. I'm going to hang on to this bad boy. As the crew works their way through the ship, through the prison ship, we're back, we're back to zero on the Razor Crest, now looking for Baby Yoda. He first checks the armory compartments. Nothing there. We see Baby Yoda's stash behind some, uh, some equipment further down in the hold, back on the prison ship. Berg, running towards the command center, the command control room, whatever you want to call it. He believes he knows the Mando's there, in that room. Looking around, can't find him, can't find him. Where could the Mando be? Oops, he's up above. And Berg gets a grapple hook around the neck. Man, it looks like he's trying to choke him out with it. But we've seen Berg how strong he is, so he just yanks down and pulls Amanda through the ceiling. Amanda's trying to use some weaponry. Berg has him down on the ground, throwing him around. Can't get a blaster shot off. Berg's just kind of throwing him around like a rag doll at this point. Flamethrower. No effect on a Devronian, apparently. I, that was not something I would remember being part of, uh, you know, the lore of the Devronians. But apparently Berg is a tough customer. Again, throwing that Mando around. Just kind of kicking the shit out of him at this point. We cut back to Zian now, who seems to hear the distress and tries to make her way towards it. Berg is still interested in ripping off the Mando's helmet so we can see his face. Mando's not going to let that happen. So Mando gets a quick flip, throws him into the doorway, then he triggers the blast door to come down right on top of Berg. Except Berg, again, strong customer, yanks it up. Then Mando closes the secondary blast doors right on top of Berg. Not a good day for Berg to have to catch two sets of doors coming in on him. So Jian, who's running through the hallways, now stops after she hears the commotion come to an end. Meanwhile, back on the Razor Crest, Zero continues his hunt of Baby Yoda. Can't find him, can't find him. Baby Yoda, quick. Light on his feet, scurries about. Now we're back on the prison ship. Mayfeld with his guns drawn, all of them. He's got two in his hands and his one over his shoulder on his robot arm. Now we see the security droids are still active as well. They're prowling the ship looking for the intruders. And Mayfeld blasts them all to pieces in the back. Sneaks around the next level of the corridor. It's cool the way they cut this scene together, all these scenes together on the ship as Mando kind of stalks the members of this gang. So now Zian senses him before he can make his move. But she's chucking knives. Mando's deflecting, blocking. Besker's good for that. She gets a shot in on his arm, right between the plates. Mando with the knife to her throat. That seems to be the end of that fight. Mayfeld again in the, in the dark, the red corridor. Flashing lights around him. Where's the Mando? Where's the Mando? door opens. Ah, oh, nothing there. Oh, just a little mouse droid. Gotcha. Oop! But now, cool strobe effect as the Mando goes full Michael Myers here and just gets ever closer to Mayfeld until finally, ba-bang! Oops, game over! 
Back on the Razor Crest Zero, still searching for Baby Yoda. Gets to the end of the hold. Doesn't hear. Can't find him. Where is he? He goes back, finds the compartment's now closed, the little compartment that Baby Yoda was stashed in. So he's like, hmm, I wonder if that's it. Quinn makes it to the ladder. And Mando, right behind him. Quinn assumes he's killed the others. Mando says they only got what they deserved. Blasters drawn, each at each other. Quinn tells him, you don't kill, you kill me, you don't get your money. And then Rand, or Kins, Quinn says, whatever Rand promised, he'll make sure he gets more if he gets them out of there. And Quinn even puts down his gun. He just wants off the ship. He just wants to go back. Puts his arms in front of him. Tells him, this is your code, isn't it? This is what you do. Take me in. Aren't you a man of honor? All right, so that seems to have wrapped up. Meanwhile, Zero is still on the ship. He thinks he knows where Baby, Baby Yoda is. Punches the cabinet code. Baby Yoda's there. Baby Yoda sees him. Zero raises the gun. Baby Yoda raises his arm. He's going to use the force. But Zero's got the blaster on him. What's going to happen? Explosion. Baby Yoda looks at his hand. Did I just do that? Oh, nope. The Mando's back on the ship. Mando's there. Mando blasted Zero right through his stupid face. Or chest, whichever one. Dead droid. Baby Yoda. Cooey now. Excited to see the Mandalorian back. All right, the Razor Crest is getting out of here. It's time to go. Time to go. All right, so we hyperspace back to Ran and his people, and we find out that they were, in fact, on a space station, a platform of some sort, probably an abandoned mining facility or, or something of that nature, an old refueling depot, perhaps. Ran's pleased to see the, the ship return. A little less pleased to see the Mandalorian come off the ship with it. But he, ha he does have Quinn with him. And that was the assignment after all. Rand asks about the others. Mandalorian says, no questions asked, right? That's the policy. Rand agrees. That is the policy. All right. Rand pays him his fee. Time for the Mando to get the heck out of there. They seem to be parting amicably, as Mando says, just like the good old days. And Rand agrees. Yeah, just like the good old days, buddy. Mando, Mando wastes no time. It's, it's, it's time to get out of this situation end this transaction as quickly as possible. But our criminal people seem to have a little bit more knowledge than the Mando does of the situation. All right, Mando pulls out of the, out of the dock. There he's taken off for safe harbor. But Ran has a little bit of a surprise up his sleeve. Another betrayal. And they have another ship, a heavy, heavily armed, possibly a drone ship. I'm trying to figure this out. It looks like it's probably a drone ship. And they're going to go and blow the Mando right out of the sky with it. It's ready to, it's heavily armed, you can tell. But now all of a sudden you hear a device beeping, beeping, beeping. Quinn looks for it. What is it? What is it? What is it? Uh oh. It's that new Republic tracker. Rand is not stoked about that. He knows what that means. So the Mando planted the tracker on Quinn right before he dropped him off. And now we see three X Wings come out of hyperspace right around the Mando. And look who these X-Wing pilots are. It is three of the directors of our series. It is Dave Filoni, Rick Fumiawa, and Deborah Chow. And they are playing X-Wing pilots for the New Republic. And they each have names, too. Uh, Dave Filoni is Trapper Wolf. Rick Fumiawa is J Jib Dodger. And Deborah Chow is a character named Sash, Sash Ketter. How crazy is that? So you get to direct some Man Mandalorian episodes. You get to become part of Star Wars canon. That seems like a good trade-off to me. I'm ready to direct an episode of The Mandalorian, and I would like to be a X-Wing pilot as well. I think that sounds like a good gig. You can even blow me up. Not that, you know, I'm okay with it. All right. 
So now everyone's scared on the space station. They see the X-Wings hauling in. They know that the Mando got them dead to rights. This was a good... This They know the Mando got them good. Rand makes off like he's trying to get the heck out of there. And uh, the X-Wing pilots, recognizing the, the, recognizing the signal, they know the gunship is launching. X-Wings, X-Wings going to lock their S-Foils in attack position, and they pepper the shit out of that gun droid, that gunship, and then they go back and blow the station to pieces. Meanwhile, Mando's going to take off for hyperspace, and they're getting the fuck out of Dodge. So in hyperspace, Mando, with Baby Yoda in the, in the cockpit with him, turns and looks back at, at look, looks back to him after he takes a little ball off this off the like one console lever that Baby Yoda likes so much. Tells Baby Yoda that you know what I told you that was a bad idea, Baby Yoda, implying that Baby Yoda came up with that plan. I don't think that's true, but Mando gives Baby Yoda a little ball, and Baby Yoda's happy and content. And now it's off on the next adventure, but not before we cut back to the new the new Republic prison transport, and we find Mayfeld, Zian, and Berg all trapped in a prison cell. Mando did not kill them after all. They are now prisoners of the New Republic. So Mando, still living by that code, which is apparently a very uh, take-em-alive kind of code. Wasn't sure we expected that. I'm, I'm curious to know more about the code after this episode, because as indicated here, you know, Mando seemed to go way out of his way not to kill these people who betrayed him. You know, obviously Quinn should be dead and probably ran as well unless we find out he took an escape pod out the back door or something like that. Um, so he didn't kill them directly because it was the X-Wing pilots who did so, but he was indirectly responsible for the deaths of those people. But apparently the killing of... Mayfeld and Jean and Berg was against something, some part of his code, some aspect of his code. Or was he simply just trying not to get on the wrong side of uh, this criminal element that he was working for at the time? Is he trying not to piss them off? You know, again, the man is looking to avoid drawing heat, and that's not just from Republic forces or, you know, the Imperial Remnant. Uh, it, it seems like he's maybe perhaps he's also trying to avoid uh, heat from every other element as well because we know the Bounty Hunter Guild's still after them. So, some questions still lingering in the air about like you know what are some details of the code? What are more of the things that are happening in in the in the overall scheme of the story here? We haven't gotten more details, and again, I know that was something I complained about um, on last week's show is we didn't seem to be going forward necessarily. Uh, but if we're not going to go forward too far, you know, too far, too fast, or any of the, that stuff, uh, at least you've given me an entertaining episode, an entertaining distraction from going forward, and that's kind of sort of what this episode was. It was uh, fun to watch him with this group of, of mercenaries, this group of hooligans, and uh, Mando holds his own pretty well, despite the fact that Berg again throws him around a lot, and Mando's forced to resort to. Uh, that trick we saw in episode one where he just closes the door on you. Uh, but this time he had to close the door twice on you. So, you know, not entirely new in that regards, but still pretty impressive the way he which, in which he dispatches these guys. And the scene where he's tracking Mayfeld in the hallway uh, as that red light is strobing behind him, and he just seems to be getting closer and closer with every strobe light flash. 
uh, was very, very cool, very, very neat. So I, like I said, I, I, I called it going full Michael Myers because it kind of was like going full Michael Myers, but a good time nonetheless. And that basically concludes chapter six of The Mandalorian. This was chapter six, The Prisoner. And uh, that means, folks, there's only two left in season one of The Mandalorian. But the good news is, programming note, chapter seven drops this Wednesday. That's right. This Wednesday, new episode of The Mandalorian is available because uh, they're putting this out so that you have no reason not to go see Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker as many times as possible starting Thursday night. Which, for the record, I will be seeing Thursday night. Which means I will hopefully have, for everybody listening, uh, my initial reaction to The Rise of Skywalker. It will not be a full-fledged review by any any stretch. Uh, and it will definitely be spoiler-free for anybody out there. I'm going to speak in a lot of general terms about The Rise of Skywalker and basically just tell you if I'm satisfied with the conclusion of the Skywalker saga or not. Or if I will tell you guys that it's a complete sham and to save your 12 bucks or whatever it costs to go to movies nowadays. Uh, so don't worry. We won't get too spoilerific when I drop that. That'll be like a, real, like a super tiny mini episode. Um, and we won't get a chance to get too far into a big Rise of Skywalker deep dive until after the holidays. Uh, we, we have a handful of shows left for the rest of the year, and that's kind of it. Um, you know, and then you won't hear back from us until January. So we have, we have this episode that you're listening to right now. We will drop the Watchmen finale episode early next week as well. Then we will drop, hopefully, hopefully Wednesday night, I will have Chapter 7 of the Mandalorian episode up. Then I will have a new episode with Roger. Then you won't hear back from us again until the final chapter of The Mandalorian airs on December 28th. And even then, I'm still not sure we'll talk too much of Rise of Skywalker at that point. I may, I may just wait until uh, Roger and I can get back together again and, and discuss it uh, sometime early January, maybe that first week or so. i got to kind of see how the calendar shakes out. The, the wife has some plans for me uh, at, at some point in January, throughout January, basically. So we'll get that figured out. But yeah, but like three or four more shows left for the month. And then, uh, but they're, they're going to be a little bit more spaced out going forward. You know, like I said, Watchmen wraps up. And then we kind of go back to normal in January. You know, no more Watchmen, no more Mandalorian episodes, obviously. And I'm still deciding on what to do when Picard launches at the end of January. If I want to make, I will probably, I actually lean towards doing that the same way I've been doing the Watchmen and the Mandalorian episodes. And just kind of rolling with the punches on if if you're watching that show, then you're gonna like those episodes. If you're not watching that show, then you're probably gonna skip them, which does bum me out to a certain extent. But the, uh, the idea of launching a second podcast has actually become extremely daunting, and I'm not quite sure I want to do it. So I may just do everything within the context of the Tomcast podcast. Now we're not gonna do specific episode reviews for The Expanse, my other favorite sci-fi show that's currently on. We'll talk about that within the context of the normal shows with Roger. I'll just kind of check in with Roger. Be like, hey, did you see this episode of The Expanse? It was pretty fucking cool. And we'll just talk a little bit about the show that way. So anybody who knows me, who knows I love The Expanse, it will be brought up on the show, but just with with Roger and the the normal news episodes of the show and kind of like reviewing the normal stuff, the way we normally do it as far as instead of these extended, expanded bonus shows where we just feature one thing. Unless all of a sudden everyone comes out of the woodwork and tells me, hey, man, 
we want expanded expanse episodes as well. The expanded expanse, the expanse expanded. That would be a good podcast. It might be a podcast already. I'm not sure. All right, folks, I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for sticking around, listening to me and my tomfoolery because my name is Tom and this is the Tomcast podcast. I want to give a big shout out to my current Patreons. Once again, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard, and the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Remember, he is the co-host of the Ringing Ear podcast. It is a great podcast uh, for music fans of all sorts. And I think you'll have a really good time listening to it. So please check it out. All right, guys. I will be back very soon. Watchmen, the season finale is the next show. I, 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 can't, even, I can't even begin to think about what's going to happen next on that show. It's going to be – that's going to be a – well, it could be a huge fucking disaster is what it could be. But, fingers crossed, it's going to be just as good as the other episodes have been. So, stick around. We'll have that for you very, very soon. Christmas is almost here, but I'm going to keep make sure you guys have entertainment for when you're driving around, when you're doing your shopping, when you're at the gym, when you're at the running around, wherever you run around to. All right? You guys be good to each other. Ciao, babes. We're not going to be fucking sucked this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions! Yeah! 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 Yeah!